Hey everybody, my name's Johan Philip. And I'm Matt Carvel. And we are live! Every Tuesday afternoon for live lunch. That is the place that we take the Sunday teaching and we have a discussion about it. We unpack the different themes, ask some different questions, and we're inviting you to get involved in it. Have a listen or submit some questions. That's all. And we have food. So if you want to find out about some good eating options around Brighton and Hove, tune into live lunch. Well, we get fed physically, but you get fed spiritually. Uh, Tuesdays at 1pm live on Instagram then the video does sit on YouTube and podcast if you like more information about how you can join in with the conversation at live lunch we are emmanuel.com forward slash live lunch welcome to another episode of live lunch he says the um, more what's the word eagle eye amongst you might notice the difference in the lighting I feel like there's a yellow Soft glow amongst all of us. So cool. Welcome to another episode of Live Lunch. We are in some season, some episode. Should have done my research better. Um, this is a, a regular weekly podcast that we put together with some people across the manual, really unpacking the stuff that we've heard in our preaching series, but hoping that the conversation goes beyond just what we preached and maybe looking into some <coughs> cultural conversations that we can speak into. Um, so we've got the wonderful, soon to be Dr. Tim Jones joining George and me as we host the show and the phenomenally wonderful Christina, yes. I was going to say Gatsa, but not Gatsa, Omoloso, Hello. who is part of our student leadership team and a really good friend of mine. Um, Hello. Welcome, Christina. Thanks for having good me. Good to have you with us. Um, this, uh, this Sunday, we had Joel Virgo speaking to us, Joel Virgo, we had Joel speaking to us on the story of Jesus cleansing the temple, which mm. is quite, quite a dramatic, vivid moment in the gospel narrative uh george would you like to give us a quick summary of the sermon and then jump into some questions yeah sure so we talked last week about um, jesus entering jerusalem and it's this big dramatic moment and uh, the thing that matthew records next that he does is he goes into the temple which is this kind of this this center um of their culture where they expect the presence of god to be and it's a super um yeah, super significant place. And um, Jesus goes in and drove out all people who were selling things and he turned tables over. And uh, he says, my house should be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. So it's a very dramatic uh, moment. And then immediately, um, Matthew records that the blind and the lame came to him and he, they were healed. And uh, the children were crying out to him, Hosanna to the son of David. And uh, Joel really helped us with looking at the temple as this um, significant thing within the culture of where God said, I'm going to be with you, you're my people. But it become this kind of badge of religiosity, this badge of we can't be um, destroyed because God's with us. This is kind of our identity, if you will, to the point of uh, missing the real significance of it and uh, it becoming this den of robbers. And, um, and then we uh, spent some time looking at the image of Jesus as the lion and the lamb. And so he's there's a you could see it as a very clear kind of lion moment where he's judging people who have done this sinful thing within the temple. And he's saying this is not what, I, what this is for. And uh, he's very kind of physical with it, drives people out and turns tables over. Um, and then immediately 
he's gentle and kind and heals people mm. um, the blind and the lame and uh, the children come to him and so um, we spent some time looking at that and then thinking how we can put our trust in that Jesus and not in other things to save us and uh, Joel did a fantastic job much better than I'm doing right now um, but do go and check that out that's on the channel as well that was a great summary I was like wow <laughs> thank you it's great cool and so we're going to kick us off by looking at the whole line in the lamb um yeah imagery that comes together in jesus yeah I don't, over to you doctor <laughs> i can see i'm gonna say something about that i i, I was in uh, both of the services so i heard this twice on sunday and it really got me thinking again about jesus as the lion and the lamb and um uh, that that uh great declaration that you have in uh, revelation where where G john's expecting to turn around and see a lion on the throne and sees a lamb looking as though it's been slain and is told this is the lion of the tribe of judah and um i guess what's really struck me if there's there's one thing this week is that jesus is lion and lamb all the way through all the time it's not it's not that there's a progress from lamb likeness to lion likeness um and even in i guess what we might take to be very lamb like moments he's he's still the lion and the lamb and so I read a sermon from Augustine on this this week, and uh, so Augustine back back in the fourth century. Well, I, you do when when it's caught your attention and you, you want to dig around a bit, because I, I I think that we have a tendency to think of the lamb as just gentle and the lamb symbolising gentleness and the lion symbolising might. Um, and I remember reading David Pawson uh, several years ago and him saying, you've got to understand that this lamb, the sacrificial lamb, is a perfect one-year-old male lamb, which is not the sort of thing that you see on posters and, and you know, like nice pastoral scene. You're talking about something that could do you damage if you're stuck in a room with it. It's, it's in the prime of its life. And that's the point, that it's a perfect sacrifice mm -hmm. and it's perfectly innocent. It's, it's complete. Um, that's I mean perfect in that sense. It's complete, and uh, it, it's it's a, an innocent sacrifice. So there's that thought. Here's a quick quote from Augustine's sermon. He says of Christ, he endured death as a lamb. He devoured it as a lion. In being slain, he slew death. And he makes the point that Jesus Jesus lamb likeness is his innocence. He stays innocent even when being the most lion like. So back to our story, when he's in there cleansing the temple, he's innocent all the way through. And, and that might not be something that's occurred to us. Even in the back of our mind, we might think, oh, he's gone a bit rogue here. He's, so he's, he's gone a bit lion. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's gone full lion. And, and really, he's, he's, he's fully lion, he's fully lamb, he's fully man, he's fully God. It's, it's that, that kind of integrity of the person of Jesus all the way through. And actually, that has implications for us in our behavior. Uh, as, we, as we see Jesus more clearly, we see his full lioness his full lambness all the time that's going to impact us on how we how we emulate him how we follow him in our life but also how we think of him and how yeah. he is in this person yeah so george did you have any questions my the first thing that came to my mind was um this is brilliant because i always thought of the lamb as this like soft cuddly innocent newborn lamb yeah. uh which really uh, started compared uh, to jesus say, is good. the force thing problematized that for me several years ago yeah um, and that, that was the first I knew of it. But then really this sermon has caused me to dig further back into church history and to say what people said about this in the past. And it's, you know, whilst you could be talking about meekness and might, generally that's not the emphasis. Mm -hmm. It's the, the emphasis about the lamb is innocence. Mm -hmm. so. So that's really it. Uh, if you're listening to the audio, I just did a mind-blown <laughs> action. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I love it when we hear stuff which changes your thinking about um, stuff yeah. that you just read in the Bible and, and, and assume. Um, <coughs> but how does that affect our day-to-day life? Yeah, you, you want to come back to me on that, or yeah, it'd be nice for someone else to speak. Oh uh, yeah, I think there is there is like practical application for our own lives. But I think the first thing that stri- strikes me when you say that, and a bit of what Joel was saying on Sunday as well, is um, how it helps us see Jesus afresh. Mm. And I think seeing him in all of his wonder and glory and um, obviously just because we are, we're finite beings, we have to kind of focus on one thing at once. It's hard to look at a lion and a lamb at the same time. Mm. And uh, even in these stories, he's kind of, he's doing a thing that we might think is lion-esque and then lamb-esque and they're kind of chronological. But I think something of what you're saying is, is, is just hinting at something that is mysterious and slightly beyond our understanding, but like just the beauty of this king mm. saviour and this innocent, mighty person mm. and a mighty God. And uh, I love that about about that, the, the way that it even affects how we read the story. So you're seeing Jesus doing this very righteous act. Mm. And we like to think of him as this kind of rebel, this revolutionary, he's turning over tables. This is quite an attractive story in our yeah. culture. Um, and, and I guess you could see, you can see that in there. He is, he is doing a, a righteous act and it is a, it's a striking story. But I love, I love then also what you're, you're fleshing him out. He's not just that. He's, he's doing it in all innocence. Yeah. <laughs> he's doing it perfectly I, I think, righteously. I, I think in answer to Yo's question as well, like, so, so how, how, do we, how do we take anything from this and mm. how do we emulate it? I, th- I think it's, it really explains what Paul's saying when he, he's saying, you, you know, in your anger, don't sin. And that actually you're, what, we can struggle with that. Oh, be angry, but don't sin. This is here. You have it. Mm. He, he's not sinning. Yeah. He's innocent all the way through. And there's a temptation for us, and even within the church, perhaps, to say, just be utilitarian about things and say that the the ends justify the means. We've got this great goal in sight, so it doesn't matter if we cut corners or if we if we bend the rules or, or th- yeah. this kind of thing. This brings you right back to well, what what, what would Jesus do? <laughs> what, what 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 does the Lord say in this matter? He, he is utterly innocent, he's yeah. blameless, yeah, yeah. and he's, he's full of zeal at the same time. So, yeah, not playing those two off. When you were sharing about the Lion and the Lamb earlier, um, I was just picturing Jesus, like, even on a normal day, even in the Gospels where he's healing people and he's just going about his day, um, and how his innocence, which is his right standingness with God, his righteousness, allows him to be able to say, be healed because he is obviously he's God Mm -hmm. um and in that moment he's also crushing the powers of darkness he's crushing Mm -hmm. sin he's crushing um illness and sickness so even in his everyday when he's going about and saying be healed we see that oh you're being gentle but something dramatic is happening in the spirit realm realm. like he is fighting like kingdoms of darkness and we see like even with the pigs the fact that there's a literally like I don't know how many thousands of demons were in those, but like he just goes, whoop, and he says that, but because he's righteous, he's able to do that. So that innocence, mm-hmm. that light, well, that lamb, and the the line of crushing the enemy's devices, we see that in his like every day. The question I have is when I, when you, when I read a story like this, um, is, oh my gosh, um, 
am I like one of those temple traders that Jesus would have whipped out? Yeah, who, and we, who, who, who am I in the story? I think I know who I am. <laughs> it's not good. Yeah, and I think it immediately, you know, brings those questions of, you know, is there stuff in my life where if, if that got revealed in the temple, Jesus would whip it out? Or, you know, what would be mm. the modern interpretation of this story that we're seeing played out? You know, if Jesus walked into a temple today or a place of worship of, of, of God, what would he be whipping out? But I, I think, like, to stay, to stay in the story... Oh, thanks. <laughs> to, to, to stay in the story, um, that actually, well, look, in a very brief, you know, couple of verses you've got a lot of characters you've got you've got a lot of animals and you've got all this kind of thing going on and you've got uh, religious people rebuking the children the children are crying out hosanna to the son of david which is what was said to him when with the triumphal entry when he came into jerusalem save us you're, you're that christ you're, you're the one who can do the saving work so they're seeing it right and they're getting rebuked it says that the the religious leaders were indignant and they said to, said to him do you hear what they're saying and she said yeah haven't you ever read that the children need to be saying this that out, out of the mouths of babes i i ordain my praise um you would want to be the children is my yeah, answer yeah, we'd want yeah. so to follow that thought through what are the children doing yeah. they're praising so actually you you know one quick yeah, application for us if you're in a place of praise and of seeking the presence of mm. God and of saying, Jesus, we want, we want you to come on the scene. We want you to turn up. You're in a safe place. Mm. And uh, so you're, you're in an innocent place mm. all the time that that's the case. And it doesn't have to be like a, a particular meeting for praise. It needs to be an attitude of the heart that's going about its day saying, I want you to turn up. I, I want you to be here. Mm. I want you to be the center. Mm. So. George, Christina, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I think even to kind of, yeah, just add to what Tim's just said, the whole purpose with Jesus was like, this is supposed to be a house of prayer. So any time that we move away from what church is supposed to be, which is this place of meeting with God and meeting and gathering as a people together in community and worshipping our God and glorifying him and being, you know, being sent out, when we lose focus of that and we make it about other things, like in, in this specific instance, it was people making money and taking advantage of uh, other people. Obviously, like like Joel said, it was necessary for people to buy those animals, but people were having a high commission. They were making this about themselves and how to better their own lives and how to gain from it themselves. And it's like treating the house of God with contempt because you've missed the whole purpose. The mm -hmm. whole point is so people can come and worship God and be with him and us. if even in a place of leadership, if we make it to be something else and we're taking advantage of that and maybe making up ourselves and having a platform or that kind of thing, whenever we miss the focus and the point of why we gather as church, we are at risk of being those that Jesus would be like, yo, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? Very <laughs> true. Yeah. Turn your table over. Yeah. yeah, I think that's that's really helpful. And um, Joel was talking about how we can hide behind kind of religiosity or churchianity some people might say where you you know an apple a day keeps the doctor away going to church every week means i'm definitely fine and saved and it sort of sanctifies everything i'm doing mate i had so much hope with where you were going with that limerick i thought like, <laughs> 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 it's a work, <laughs> work in progress <laughs> sorry don't next worry. time yeah. next time um <laughs> i think yeah the the idea of um you know these these religious people are thinking that this temple is sort of allowing them to do things and be God's people without it really you know without treating it as they as they should um, and I think there's applications for us in terms of um, 
there's well, I grew up in church and it is very easy to do things out of habit and kind of expect that it's a bit of a, of a magic formula I turn up I say the right things I get the gold star Jesus is the answer thank you very much and I go home again and it doesn't really change my life and uh, I've not really prayed and I've not really worshipped mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's very possible for people to be um, even in our church but definitely other churches as well um, to to turn up and not see the the core point of it um, and to miss that in a kind of a legalistic sense and uh, Jesus is saying you've missed you've missed this I, I gave your my father gave a place where his presence was where you might come and uh, and worship and pray and you've missed it and uh, you've used it for something else and um, so that was really helpful you can see why be furious yes as well like, but, 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 but I think just that sense where you know with reverence the Lord's looking at it and seeing people being robbed again people being cheated again or people being cheated of their inheritance if your inheritance is to be a child of God and to be in the house of God doing as these children do do which is actually quite kind of a happy ending that you've, you've got to, to this particular vignette um if he's seeing people who are, are so close and then being being robbed it's, it's like someone coming and stealing a goal or something you know so it's, you can see he's there's a righteous anger yeah yeah which I guess is a moment of talking about fearing God there's a, a lack of reverence there isn't there from what for what they're seeing and uh, they've missed they've missed that um, which I think can be a confusing um, confusing for us to talk about fearing God again and I know you, you mentioned mm. before the scripture about perfect love casting out fear um, whereas those um, people that Jesus calls thieves the people who are selling stuff the people who are treating the temple wrongly you can imagine them having genuine mm. kind of a shocking moment or a fearful moment of, of what Jesus is doing like, have I got something wrong here I was expecting this man to do something else um, and that can be quite a confusing thing does does fear get cast out or is it part of what happens when Jesus comes in um, and I wonder if anyone's got any thoughts mm. well yeah so the, the the scripture that talks about perfect love driving out fear says because fear has to do with punishment so there's a bit of a clue in that that actually um the, the kind of fear that we as as Christians as children of God we always have a fear of God so there's a friendship and a fear there's a, it just goes on in parallel but that fear is not based on fear of punishment fear of um, God acting unjustly towards us or even a fear of God acting justly towards us as our sins uh, deserve it's actually that we've been brought out of that dynamic completely and we fear God because he is God because because he is mighty because he is the lion and 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 the lamb actually fearing the lamb that's an interesting thing because mm. when you're when you're confronted with such alarming innocence and purity that's scary as well because you're not that and you've been brought into that that's been made your lot so that, yeah fearing god is very different from ungodly fear it's diff- it's, it it doesn't have to do with punishment and i think that yeah. that's the big difference mm. there that punishment has been utterly expended that uh, Jesus, as as Lamb, has endured death; as Lion, has devoured death. <laughs> he's he's done that. So, so has done away with that punishment dynamic for us completely, mm. and we've been brought into a very different inheritance. This is what what the scripture talks about when it says, "You've brought me into a spacious place. Mm. You've, you've taken me out of that whole that whole conflict and put me in a spacious place." Mm. Brilliant. I think even just the, the fear and love thing. Joel quoted Machiavelli, and he talked about leaders either being feared or loved. And to choose fear over being loved, um, which I think that wasn't Joel's advice. No, 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 no it was Joel quoting Machiavelli. <laughs> yes. um, 
which is very counter to what what you know Jesus demonstrates um you know Christians or people who hold views that are are different to what the prevailing sentiments are at the moment how, how do they live out of a place of love rather than living in a place of fear or also i guess the flip side would be um so this is a, this is a, a second question which we might, we might actually answer first it's quite open the the bad response would be you could you could use this story to justify becoming militant in your uh, your approach to your christianity mm-hmm. and you can see how this stuff empowers the extreme right or the hard right to um to be well we can go and you know whip certain views and people and, and things uh, out of church because we're behaving like jesus so i guess how how do you uh you know stop yourself from getting too lion like or militant in in your christian views yeah um, uh, i mean thoughts christina george as well so yeah. hmm. I, i'll just say a very quick one liner and uh, I, it's back to that the lamb means innocent and if if you if you want to run any of your actions through a grid to test should i do this or shouldn't i do this is it innocent do i remain innocent in planning this in executing this and after the fact in its consequences if the answer to that's yes then then you 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 can go ahead even with strong actions but that it you need to take seriously the innocence question that's so interesting how do you that would be my my follow-on question because that's really a really good answer but to dig a bit deeper into that how do you know if you're being innocent well i i think you know when you're not i th- i think that i think that's probably the bigger thing is actually you know you know when you're overstepping you you and maybe depending on your knowledge of scripture and the knowledge of the counsel of god you're going to know more but but do you have the holy spirit if you're a believer you have uh, a conscience which is accusing you or or affirming you either way which so there's you you are the arbiter of how innocent your actions are you 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 choose whether you ask yourself the innocence question seriously mm-hmm. each time so I, I, there's more to say but yeah i'm just i immediately think about the pharisees and how you know they thought that they were being militant about stuff that god mm-hmm. truly cared about um but having lost just sight of god himself so i feel like for us just as Jesus is saying which is why I just love that scripture it's like house of prayer it the focus is always on god and i think even in having fear of god cuz your first question was about how do we not fear you know being cancelled or whatever and i feel like in that place of security in our relationship with god and knowing that actually we're fighting for something that's dear to his heart um why would you fear man who cannot you know that scripture fear man who cannot affects you so often mm-hmm. you know yeah. that one um <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know that cuz someone bring context to it but um <laughs> basically like why fear people can only touch you in this physical life but god who's able to do even like yeah, in eternity yeah. Yeah, so. um so it's literally like i don't know it's like having view of god as god the fear of god that you touched on yeah. and knowing that like in that we we can't overstep cuz it's like <clears throat> I don't know if this is our stuff but even thinking about Moses you know when he got really angry um what's that then God had to be like like because you did it that way you're now disqualified from going mm. through so it's like we do have to be careful like mm. there is just yeah if it's not in love mm. 
then yeah, I feel like I've just rambled on. But yeah, no, I, I, that's true. I think it's good. I, I think also just to add, add about back to the sermon where we're talking about making good things God things. Right? So with with the Sabbath, with the temple, uh, these things are supposed to be good. Get, with the Ark as well, Joel talks about that. You know, these uh, the Ark of the Covenant that these things are given as good gifts, and then they start getting idolized or used as talismans or um, y- you know just think powerful in their own right rather than as good gifts from a loving god um that ceases to be innocent there's nothing innocent about that actually if you know back to your question about how do you judge the innocence of a thing if it veers into idolatry then it's Mm. not innocent Mm. yeah i think um so there's there's the the negative aspect of like is it is it sin and your conscience and the spirit and the scripture and good counsel from other people helping you with that Mm. Um, and I think there's also the positive element of what we're told to be and um, I think it's Philippians and Paul talks about letting your reasonableness be known to everyone Mm. or you can also be translated gentleness Mm. and uh, it's it's I think you you have to look through the prism of uh, in in your action in the thing I'm doing yes there's a righteousness and there's a thing to stand up for and whether that is a a tweet or a talking to a work colleague Mm -hmm. or a friend who you think's got something wrong and so there is a a right calling out of something that's wrong and that's okay Mm -hmm. but I think there's also you're looking through as a Christian we're called to be those who um, outdo each other in honour and honouring people and um, to welcome others as Christ has welcomed us and you think okay Christ welcomed me when I was an enemy and so even this person even though this person is, feels like an enemy now or they're saying things that are contrary to, mm. to scripture we do stand for things mm. but also I want to be Christ as Christ welcomed yeah. me yeah. I want to welcome others as Christ honoured me when I didn't deserve it I want mm. to honour others they carry the image of God whatever they're, mm. other, whatever else they're carrying yeah. and, uh, yeah. and I, th- I think practically that, that means context, uh, the context in which you bring maybe a, a concern or a correction or something mm. so so could you could bring it in public or you could bring it as a personal message yeah, you could bring I, it uh you could bring it over a, a digital medium or you could bring it in person mm. and actually you know show some humanity along with it yeah and how it how you're behaving does it line up with scripture like you were saying that the ends what were you saying about oh, the it means? Ends, yeah ends justifying the means yeah, yeah like that doesn't mean i'll create a troll account and tell the person like <laughs> yeah like death threats like people do that like you are defaming god and you know you can go and you can be extreme but you're pronouncing death over someone Mm. is that something that god does Mm. like and it's just like it's not innocent so it's just like your actions which is what i love about what you said george like do your actions actually line up with Mm. the kingdom Mm. because if it doesn't god is able like i think sometimes we feel we need to go extreme or do bad things um to get more effect but no jesus in his humility and kindness um and innocence was able to do powerful things yeah. so we can achieve good powerful things yeah with yeah, good absolutely yeah the ends the ends do not justify the means there's very quickly there's a proverb that came to mind um i don't know what the number is the the script verses but you'll find it you can search it um treasures gained by wickedness do not profit but righteousness delivers from death so there are things that we can aim for. I want to make my church more like this. I think Christianity is in general more like this. I think this person needs to be more like this. I'm aiming for a, something good and, and a treasure here. But if it's gained through wickedness, whatever the gain is, is not profit. It's mm-hmm. not good. And the ends do not justify the means. They, mm-hmm. they change, actually, um, the means to justify what the end is you get to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, because if that was the case, if the ends justify the means, if Jesus could have just lived whatever kind of life he wanted and then... Mm-hmm 
just went to the cross. <laughs> but it's like, no, he walked out the whole process mm. well. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. Which is literally in the story, people were trying to make treasure, and, but they mm. weren't profiting anything. Mm. I think just to, to, to land this and conclude the conversation, I think it's so important to, to remember that maybe if, there's, if, you're, if you're feeling um, conviction, or if you're feeling like, you know, maybe I have used church as, as a bit of a token gesture, or I've not taken the house of God seriously. And I, and I think that there's the beauty of it is, I think all, all of us will really evaluate ourselves. And I think that is a, a mark of God's spirit in us. There's a sensitivity to, um, you know, walk, working these things out cautiously. But maybe if, if for you, if, if it's in your thinking that, oh, I have probably not done this well, uh, maybe you're living in, in the moment of like, I would have definitely been ripped out of church is to, to know that the, the beauty of, of who Jesus is, is he forgives, he, he forgives any and everybody who humbles themselves and asks for forgiveness. And you go from being a pigeon seller, which is what you have been described at in this, uh, or we've been described at in this uh, story, to being somebody who's blind and lame. And whilst from an earthly perspective, that may look like a, a lowly thing, but Jesus rushes to those blind and lame and he it says he healed he healed them he healed all of them uh and i think there's just something really special in knowing that that jesus heals and whatever conviction you're carrying maybe you need to confess it maybe work it out with your small group or community and you know that sort of thing uh, maybe talk to uh, you know somebody who's pastorally responsible for you or somebody who is a bit further in their work with god uh, within our church or within our community but also receive jesus's healing and his forgiveness and his embrace uh you know, there's plenty of sto- oh, there's other well, there's, there's other stories in in the Bi- in the Bible where Jesus talks about wedding feasts where he invites only the the lame and the poor and that's a uh, that's a feast, so you have access to the feast of Christ. But yeah, please don't live in that place of condemnation or conviction, but rush to the grace with our beautiful Savior gives us. I mean, there's another story where he he literally called a he called Matthew who was a, a tax collector. Um, I mean, different situation but he, he forgive him and he forgives our ill and our sins so thank you so much for joining us thank you christina and tim uh for joining us maybe the next time tim joins us he will be dr tim jones maybe. but we aren't saying that as yet but thanks so much <laughs> for joining us and we will see you next week